The title of what I'm sharing this morning is the book of Second Peter. This is part four. You might be visiting Choose Life and you just jumped right into part four. That's great. You can go to our website and you can see uh, all the messages there available in different formats and you can listen in that way if you'd like to catch up. Last time we looked at the first half of chapter two. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, and today we're going to look at the second half of chapter 2. Would you please turn there so long? Just to refresh your minds for a moment, there were three key lessons that we learned last time when we were busy with our series. Listen to these key lessons. Number one, we learned last time, watch out for false teachers who infiltrate with destructive heresies. Secondly, we learned that God knows how to deliver the godly out of trials and he will ensure that the unjust face punishment. And then thirdly, we learned that God will be especially hard on those who pursue filthy sexual desires and despise authority. That is what God's word teaches in the first half of chapter two. Now, I've decided to read today's passage in the New Living Translation. The reason is because it is quite a challenging passage, and the NLT really helps to make it more clear and more understandable. So I'm going to read from the NLT. It will be on your screen. 2 Peter 2 verse 12 to 22. It says, these false teachers. Would you say false teachers? So it's saying a lot about false teachers here. It says, these false teachers are like, now listen to this, unthinking animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed. They scoff at things they don't understand, and like animals, they will be destroyed. Wow. Wow. Their destruction is their reward for the harm they have done. They've caused great harm. They love to to indulge in evil pleasures in broad daylight. They They are a disgrace and a stain among you. Take note, many times we think of false prophets or false teachers being out there But Peter, as he's writing to the believers spread across Asia Minor, he says, these guys are even among you, spreading their false teachings. So they are a disgrace and a stain among you. They delight in deception, even as they eat with you in your fellowship meals, or love feasts, as one of the translations says. They commit adultery with their eyes, And their desire for sin is never satisfied. They lure unstable people into sin. And they are well trained in greed. Isn't that interesting? They live under God's curse. They have wandered off from the right road. And followed the footsteps of Balaam, son of Beor. Who loved to earn money by doing what was wrong. So the story of Balaam and the donkey, Balaam's on his way and he's trying to give a false prophecy to the king, King Balak. 
And so what happens is as he's on his donkey, next thing an angel of the Lord appears and the donkey's not gonna go further and turns off to the side, wants to go into the field. Balaam gets off and whips and beats his donkey. He says, come on, you know? So the donkey starts to walk a bit again. Next thing, a few paces later, the angel of the Lord appears with a flaming sword and the donkey can even see this. Balaam can't. He says, I'm not gonna go any further. And then what happens? Balaam beats his donkey again. By the way, don't beat your donkey. I know many of you came to church on a donkey today. But anyhow, and so next thing, it's a third time. And then next thing, the angel of the Lord appears again and stops. And so Balaam gets off the donkey. Balaam beats the donkey. And now the donkey speaks in a human voice. And the, can you believe that? The donkey speaks in a human voice. And he says, why are you hitting me? I've been such a good donkey to you. That's basically what he says. Why are you hitting me? Goodness me. And then basically the reality comes that God reveals himself in the situation and Balaam is steered from his madness. But can you imagine this donkey that begins to talk? <laughs> Any of you seen Shrek? <laughs> Eeyore. He always beats me, you know. And so, anyhow, the donkey speaks. And it says uh, in verse 16, it says, But Balaam was stopped from his mad course when his donkey rebuked him with a human voice. Wow, by the time your pets start to talk to you, you better be listening. Verse 17. These people, speaking about the false people, are as useless Note, note that word, useless, as dried up springs or as mist blown away by the wind. They are doomed to blackest darkness. They brag about themselves with empty, foolish boasting. With an appeal to twisted sexual desires, they lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle of deception. So here, people in that uh, environment, they, they're just coming out of sin, just coming out of a lifestyle of being in darkness, and now these false people are trying to lure them back into that. Verse 19, it says that they promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then get tangled up and enslaved again in sin, they are worse off than before. It would have been better if they had never known the way of righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. Verse 22, the last verse, it says, they prove the truth of this proverb. A dog returns to its own vomit. And another says, a pig washed returns to the mud. How many of you agree that's quite a passage of scripture? Come on, be real with me for a moment. This is quite a passage of scripture. But God can speak to us through this. All scripture is given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God wanted us to know this as well. Now, in terms of this being a challenging passage of Scripture, I think of my dad. Even though he went to be the Lord a long time ago, I still honor my dad. And I remember him receiving a lovely comment, compliment. This was from a pastor in the Word of Faith movement. 
You know, these faith guys, they just talk faith, 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 faith. And he said to my dad one day, he said, Pastor Ed, we only preach all the nice passages in the Bible. But I noticed that you are willing to preach the hard passages in the Bible. And I thought, I remember hearing this back, this, and I, back then, I thought, good. I thought, go for it, daddy, go on. My daddy's my example. And you know what? I believe that we need to follow that same example. And may we be willing, may all of us be willing to preach the full counsel of God. Come on, can I get an amen? The full counsel of God. You don't just pick those six or 12 lacquer scriptures that give you, you know, heebie-jeebies and, you know, uh, you, you, you need to be prepared. If it's in the Bible, we preach it. Amen. So there are three points that I'd like to share with you today. Number one, Peter gives a scathing description of false prophets. Please say this out aloud with me. Peter gives a scathing description of false prophets, false teachers, sorry. So Peter goes to great lengths to describe and paint a picture of what false teachers are like. Now I thought to myself, why was Peter so passionate about this? And I believe that his motivation was, listen, to protect the body of Christ, to protect the body of Christ. His heart was that. And remember, years earlier, Jesus had personally spoken to Peter. And he said, Peter, do you love me? And then there was this charge, this commission to feed my sheep, Peter. Tend my sheep, feed my lambs. And so Peter took that responsibility very seriously. Because Jesus himself was saying, Peter... This is a wonderfully high calling and privilege. And I believe that all of us carry that same responsibility of protecting the body of Christ, protecting the family of God. So Peter, he's talking about these things because he wanted to honor the challenge that God had given him, that Jesus had given him. Now, in our passage, the following words and phrases are used to describe false teachers. Would you say the word describe? Say it again, describe. So at the, first, at the first point, we're looking at this aspect of describe, and I'm drawing from various translations. But in terms of the descriptions given here in verse 12, Peter describes false teachers as brute beasts, unthinking animals, creatures of instinct. Basically, he's saying these guys are predators. Verse 13, they are described as spots, and blemishes, a disgrace, a shame, a stain. Then in verse 14, in the New King James Version, it says, they have a heart trained in covetous practices. What does that mean? They have a heart trained in covetous practices. In other words, they are well trained in greed. They are experts in greed. They always want more from you. <laughs> and in some situations like this, they say, okay, well, you know, I'm a big fancy teacher and so on. So if you pay me 5,000 rand, I'll give you 20 minutes. I'll meet with you for 20 minutes. Or look, uh, uh, about 2,500 rand, then uh, you can come for 15 minutes of prayer. You know? These things are happening, folks. 
They are crazy. They are a stain. <laughs> also in verse 14, it says that they are accursed children. They are living under God's curse. And then in verse 17, it's interesting pictures here. False teachers are described as being wells without water. Imagine a well and you look, there's no water. This is no good. They're wells without water. They are dried up water holes. You see, they promise a lot, but they deliver nothing whatsoever. They promise that if you start listening to the things that I say and read my notes and my books and so on, that you will receive water and you'll be satisfied. But you know what? They will leave you thirsty and bone dry. There will be no satisfaction there. In terms of this aspect of a waterhole, so Mandri and I, we love to do game viewing. It's one of the things that we love. If we can go away to Polansburg or to some place or to Kruger Park and go and check out the animals, we absolutely love it. How many of you say you love the bush as well? You love being in the bush? Uh, by the way, there's a cool statement. A day in the bush is better than seven in the bustle by John Rabbit. Okay, that's mine. So, and we love to try to get to a water hole a little bit earlier in the morning. It's not yet hot. It's quite early. And then my wife, she takes great care of me. By the way, uh, at the moment, Mandri is in Australia and she's with her mom. And so I'm missing all the lovely care she gives me. I've got an awesome wife. Let's hear it for my wife. She's awesome. Anyhow, so there we are. We're in the water hole. Not in the water hole. We're close to the water hole and we're busy looking. And next thing comes the filter coffee, which was made at home. <laughs> next thing comes the rusks. And then you watch the animals coming along. Oh, it's lacquer. It's really lacquer. <laughs> but you know what? A dried up water hole is useless. A dried up water hole is useless. And by the way, I've noticed sometimes in the Kruger Park lately, you know, you follow the maps and you see you go down this road for about three and a half, four Ks, and then there's a water hole there, and they don't tell you that water hole has been closed six years ago. And you drive your three or four kilometers, you get there, and it's a useless waste. Anyhow, sorry, I'm just venting at the moment. Anybody from the Parks Board, please take note. <laughs> but you know what? A dried up water hole is useless. And in the same way, false teachers are a waste of time. They promise you, you're going to get water, and they leave you bone dry. Also, it says in verse 17 that they are mists blown away by the wind. It says that they are waterless clouds blown away. In other words, there's no substance to these people. And then lastly, in verse 19, it says that they are slaves of corruption, slaves of depravity, slaves to sinful living. So what is happening here as we're reading this passage today? Peter, the same Peter that walked with Jesus is giving a scathing description of false teachers, but he believed it was absolutely necessary to call them out. He unashamedly called them out. Interesting. Let me tell you, pastors and shepherds and church leaders have a responsibility to warn God's people against those who would seek to destroy him, to, to, to destroy them. 
I want to say this, that ministry is not just about hugs and care, but it is about warfare and protection. It is. And don't just say, well, it's up to pastors and shepherds and the life group leaders to warn people. You are a spirit-filled believer. We're a kingdom of priests. And there are people that you discover in your family, in your friendship circle, and you're too scared to say anything. But it might be the very words that you speak that will turn them away from the folly of some of the crazy stuff that people are following after in these days. Amen. Tell the person next to you, you have a responsibility. Tell them that. You have a responsibility to warn people. Now, let me mention an example which happened about three and a half, yeah, three and a half, three years ago. So I, there's a particular person that I know, he's not part of this church, but I know him well enough to speak into his life. And I saw that on social media, he was praising this particular prophetic person who is located in South Africa. He was praising this person, such a wonderful man of God and so on. Now, I had done some investigation into this man and chatted with many other pastors in the city and realized, no, this man is not a wonderful man. He is a wolf in sheep's clothing. And so I spoke to this guy and I clearly warned him and I said, listen, my friend, this man is a false prophet. I decided I'm going to use that word clearly. I said, this man is a false prophet. <laughs> and besides, he was up for racketeering and money laundering and evading the law and uh, the most uh, luxurious vehicles. He had an abundance of all these vehicles. Meanwhile, his people were mostly in poverty. I want to tell you, it's sickening. It's absolutely sickening. And so I decided, even if this guy rejects me for what I'm saying, I'm going to say it anyway. Because the Bible says, speak the truth in love when you feel like it. No, it doesn't say that. It says, speak the truth in love. And so I warned this guy. And he said, no, 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 no. He's not a false prophet. And you don't understand. He's such a wonderful guy. And I went to this big hotel gathering. And all sorts of wealthy people were there. And uh, they were hearing about his ministry and his vision. And I thought, I wonder how much money he got out of you in that conference that you attended. I wonder how much money. You know what? I decided to speak out boldly. And I said, he is a false prophet. And I said, my buddy, I want to warn you. Then, a few hours later, I found myself a little bit worried because I thought I had clearly used the word false prophet and I thought, maybe I'm being a bit too judgmental and, and maybe I, I can't really say that and so on. But you know what? The apostle Peter would have been far harsher than I was. If you look at what we've just read through, come on, he would have been far harsher than I was. I was diplomatic in a sense. But Peter was scathing, and Peter did not mince his word. words. He would have used some of the above phrases to describe that person. He would have said that that guy is a brute beast. He's an unthinking animal. He's a disgrace. He's a shame. He's an expert in Greece. Not Greece. Greed. <laughs> He's living under a curse. He's like a well without water, and you know what? He is a slave of depravity. And I think sometimes in this whole world culture of trying to foster tolerance, 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 the church of Jesus Christ has been shut down and we say no more. We will speak with boldness in the name of Jesus. 
Because it is for the sake of the kingdom of God, and it is for righteousness' sake. Amen? And so, but let me also say this, that in making clear uh, clear. Uh, statements like this, it is very important that we realize our motivation must always be right. Our motivation must be to protect the body of Christ. It's not good when somebody says, well, I'm God's sheriff, and I'm here to sort out everybody. And next thing, they've got their YouTube channel, and they've uh, basically declared that everybody's the devil except for them, you know? And so we must make sure the motivation must be right when we warn, when we confront, etc. What is the motivation to protect God's flock? Point number two, the behavior of false teachers. Would you please say the word behavior? Say it a little louder, behavior. So we've looked at the description in point one, and now let's consider their behavior and actions, and the purpose of this is for discerning and avoiding such folks. It says in our passage, the following sentences that speak about the behavior of false teachers, this is all from the NLT, I'll read them to you. Verse 12 says, they scoff at things they do not understand. Verse 13 says, They love to indulge in evil pleasures in broad daylight. Also in verse 13 it says, They delight in deception, even as they eat with you in your fellowship meals. Many of these people can even be amongst us. It doesn't have to be somebody on a platform with a stage and a microphone and so on. Sometimes people can be among us and they've given themselves over to warped doctrines and now they're trying to tell you certain of these things. And it's interesting that they are even in the fellowship meals and as I understand that, this refers to love feasts that the church was having at that point in time. Love feasts which would start with a lovely meal and fellowshipping together and it would end off with communion and these people were right there. Jude says of these same people in Jude 1 verse 12 in the NIV, it says, these people are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm. Another one, verse 14. It says that they, these false people, commit adultery with their eyes and their desire for women is never satisfied. They are constantly lusting after women. It also says that they lure unstable people into sin. You see, this kind of a person and a false teacher, he is not or she is not going to come after strong believers. They're going to go after shaky believers, after weak believers who don't have a real big root system just yet. They're going to go after them and try to get them back into the things of the world. Verse 18, it says, they brag about themselves with empty and foolish boasting. And then lastly, in verse 19, it says, they promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption and of sin. So I want to say to you, child of God, if you see this kind of behavior in a so-called man of God, then you know there is trouble. Watch out. Now, 
In your Bible, would you please turn to Matthew chapter 7. I'd like to ask that you turn there. We'll look at the New King James Version. In Matthew chapter 7, it is Jesus speaking. And what's interesting is that the things that Peter has been speaking in our passage, we see some of those very same thoughts and feelings uh, and, and issues expressed there. But actually, it was Jesus who expressed it first. And Peter is saying some of what he remembers Jesus saying. So here we are, Matthew 7, verse 15 to 23. Jesus is speaking, and he says, beware of false prophets. We've been talking more about false teachers, false prophets, very similar. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Jesus was very descriptive. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, verse 20, by their fruits, you will know them. Would you say their fruits? Say it again, their fruits, by their fruits you will know them. Now it goes on into something interesting in verse 21. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. Many will come to me in that day and will say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. This is quite a passage of scripture. And it directly ties into what we're busy with in Second Peter. So what can we learn from this passage in uh, Matthew 7? We can learn firstly that you will know them by their fruit. That is the one clear, unmistakable way in which you know if you are looking at a good tree or you're looking at a bad tree, you will know them by their fruits. And the question is, is the fruit of the Spirit there? Is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, is there that in this ministry or in this man's teaching or things like that? Is there that? Then you can be assured it is a good tree that, bring, that is bringing forth good fruit. So we can learn that you'll know them by their fruit. But also from Matthew 7, we can learn that there are some people who prophesy and do miracles, and let me say this firstly, that they are not of God. You must realize it does not mean because there is a supernatural sign that it comes from heaven. There are many demonic signs and demonic uh, manifestations that occur as well. And so there are some people who prophesy and do miracles, but they do not know Jesus. And most importantly, Jesus does not know them. 
And Jesus will say to them, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Folks, we need to be discerning. This is one of the things you need to hear from this message. We need to be discerning. We need to be very discerning in these last days. Say to the person next to you, be discerning. Tell them that. Be discerning in these last days. Number three, which is a brief point. Number three, consequences that false teachers will face. And under this, I want to say there is no doubt about it. False teachers will face destruction. Would you say the word destruction? They will not get away with their evil deeds because God is a God of justice. And in our passage in the NLT in verse 12 and 13, it says about these false people and like animals, they will be destroyed. Yes, he's a God of love and mercy, but he's also a God of justice for those who will not turn away. And so it says, and like animals, they will be destroyed. Their destruction is their reward for the harm that they have done. And in verse 17, it says, they are doomed to blackest darkness. It sure sounds like a terrible ending awaits them. Am I right? But let me tell you this. God will not be mocked. God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. I want to read this scripture. I am drawing to a close. You don't have to turn there. It's one I can remember my dad referencing on a number of occasions. It's in Hebrews 10 verse 31. And it says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Let there be reverential fear in our hearts for the living God. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I want to make it clear. The hand of God, which is a powerful, mighty hand, will deal with all false teachers and there will be a day of reckoning. I want to end off by saying the following. You see, if Peter felt that it was necessary to spend so much time, listen carefully now. If Peter felt it was necessary to spend so much time warning us about false teachers, then we need to realize that the threat is very real, child of God, and we are living in the last of the last days. The threat is more real than ever before. Why is the threat so real? Because false teachers can derail people's lives. False teachers can wreck people's lives and their eternal destiny. And so we must be aware of false teachers. Praise God, we have the Holy Spirit to guide us, but we need to listen to the gentle prompting of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so I want to say to you, be aware of strange teachings, of funny and unusual things. Stick to what is solid and good. Stick to the true word of God, the grace and the truth of the word of God. And run from anything that is tainted. Go ahead and give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. Oh, come on. You can praise him for his truth. Would you please stand with me right now? As we are ending off in prayer, Lord, I want to thank you 
for what has transpired here today. I believe that the kingdom of heaven has come in even a greater way. Lord, I know of many people who have turned away to all sorts of crazy things and false things. And Father, as your people here today, we say to you, Lord, if there's been wrong things that we've lent our ears out to, if there's been false things that we've given our hearts and attentions to and false people that we have followed, we just want to say, we're sorry, Lord, but your truth has brought light and your light shines and reveals things now for any aspects that we ourselves have followed after things which have not been true and right. We say, sorry, Lord, please forgive us for that. We purpose to keep our eyes on Jesus. We declare that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our paths. We declare that your grace is sufficient for us. We don't need to go looking in all other places. But we declare that you are the righteous one and you have started a good work in us and you will be faithful to the day of your coming to complete that work. Can I ask that we just begin to pray out aloud in our heavenly language for a moment. Let's begin to pray in our heavenly language out aloud. I feel there needs to be just a moment of spiritual warfare here. Mede de le sombro brata prata te sembre sombro combra batana e sembre Lift your voice just that little bit more. Pray out with boldness. This is spiritual warfare. Father, as we are praying in, your, in our heavenly language right now, we declare that false altars, false altars are being brought down in this nation in the name of Jesus. False altars that have been set up in the city, in Pretoria, in Tuani, in high points in the city, and in the province of Gauteng. We declare that those false things are being brought down. False teachers, false prophets are being exposed, and you are bringing them down in the name of Jesus. We pray for our nation. Keep on praying in the Spirit. We pray for our nation in South Africa. And we declare that the wickedness, the unrighteousness is being brought down by the truth and the power and the authority and the Word of God. Let's keep on praying in the Spirit. Come on, pray like it matters, because it does. Pray like it matters, because it does. Manda tu lo io sombro cumbre e sombro e sembre Bapatana e sembre e sombro cumbro e sembre e astotonolo And we declare that righteousness is arising over our nation South Africa Oh righteousness is arising Your righteous men and women of God Your righteous servants Your righteous prophets Your righteous people in government Your righteous shepherds are arising Oh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Just carry on for just another minute in the Spirit. Ah, Father, we're so grateful to you. We're so grateful to you. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, we...
we declare that as we go out into this week, we go as agents of change, empowered by your Spirit, full of the presence and the grace of God. And I pray, as Peter prayed in the beginning of the book of 1 Peter, and I pray that grace and peace would be multiplied to you. That's what he said, multiplied, I love that. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. I bless your people, and I pray that they would have a week blessed by God, a week in which they are walking in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit.